good morning everyone welcome to home builders glad you're here today we're talking about the subject of stealing today all right thou shall not steal uh, if you have a set of keys not for your car but for your own would you take them out and look at them real quick if I, this is my home key does anybody have a home key Until you're actually living life and having to do something. Well, I'm, 
I got an email from a student this week. This week, I see my my required, you know, books things like that for your class. Are they actually required? <laughs> no. Why would they ask that? Because how frustrating it would be if you spent a hundred dollars on books and then found out they don't use any of them. Well, we want you to be your library to increase, and these are great books for you to have as a reference. At that point, you'd be like, I'm selling them back, right? Obviously. So these ideas come into us, and we're thinking through things. It's like, we live in a culture, a society, that even though you can have a command like, don't steal, immediately people begin to think, is stealing wrong? And we could even have this discussion in this class. Someone might say, well, that depends. And even scripture brings it up. Do we judge a person who steals because he's hungry? No, we don't judge them. No, they're still going to go to jail or potentially whatever. They're still going to be punished for it, but we can justify it. We think that's, that's justifiable. But, but, well, you know, is it really? Depends on their situation. Or you could go, well, that depends. Um, if they were working for the CIA and they stole valuable information from our enemy, isn't that justifiable? Anyone? Yes, it would be. And then it's, it's like, but is that depending on, well, then where's it that in the Bible, you know? And it's like, well, you know, you can see examples of stealing in the Bible, um, it, whether it's information, they went down to the, they went down to the tribe and they were they were listening in and said they were afraid. And so we got this information. Did, did they take it anything? No, but they took information. And they used it for their benefit. So there's all kinds of things related to this issue that we have to consider. Now, most people carry keys and lock things up. We talked about that already, right? He said, well, why? Because we're afraid of something being taken from us. In fact, there are things, uh, you know, um, <laughs> question is, have you ever been robbed or were a victim of identity theft? Anybody in here? Have you ever been robbed or a victim of identity theft? Many of us have. Um, and sometimes you have to go through the hassle, especially with identity theft, like getting new credit cards and all, you know, shutting this down and reissuing ones and all that. Oh, it's crazy. But we've also been robbed in our own house. We, you know, we had kids, a 17-year-old and a 19-year-old go through our entire neighborhood broke into our cars, stole stereos, went into our garage, stole chainsaws, and all kinds of stuff, okay? And then we eventually began getting checks after they got arrested, like about seven, nine dollars a month for about 10 months or something like that. It was like, woohoo, okay? But nevertheless, those are scary feelings of going through this experience of being robbed. Gallup poll said in 2015 that 40% of people at this time worried about being their home being broken into. This is the latest poll on this issue that I could find. 25% worried that they would be robbed while at home. And now identity theft and credit card hacking top the list of concerns. Okay? And that stealing, in the US at least, is the most common crime in America. Seven million people get robbed every year. Okay. Now, at least that's from their statistics from the FBI and our, our government. Okay. So it's, a, it's an issue. It's a big issue. All right. 
Commandment number eight is you shall not steal. So what does this really mean? I want to begin with talking about property ownership. Okay? What does that really mean? See, we like stuff. You have stuff. Now, if you didn't own anything, you wouldn't worry about being robbed. If you were destitute and poor and had nothing, would you worry about it? No. Okay? Now, in communism, the idea is the state owns everything. You don't own, you don't have, like, for example, property. I remember Cheryl and I sitting out on our sun room a week or so ago, and I said, you know, isn't it great that we own this property? Okay, it's paid off. We own it. Well, what does that mean? That only applies in a government, in a society that allows for private ownership. That you have the privilege of owning something. But what happens when that privilege is taken away? That someone makes an arbitrary decision, it's no longer yours. You don't own this anymore. Yes, I do. No, you don't. And Mike makes right, uh, you know, whoever has the biggest stick wins. And we live, we live in, a, in a world in which that's a reality. And people have become discouraged around the world because their own ownership has been taken away from them. Now think about this. We, you know, we would be disgusted. We would we'd be frustrated as Americans typically would be if that property rights were taken away from us. If one day in America, our government changed and they said, you no longer own your property. Even though you may have paid it off in full, you will now pay the government X amount of dollars to live at your property based on this new scale. And it's not yours to sell anymore. It is of zero value to you. You can't sell it. We're allowed, you live in it for the time being, but it's gonna cost you this much to actually live there. We would feel discouraged and frustrated and angry, and I'm sure there would be um, uproars and all kinds of things. I can't even imagine what America would look like at that point with the amount of militia that would come out of the woodworks around this country. I have a buddy who has a friend in the Midwest, and uh, he went to visit, they went to visit his wife's family out there, and literally, while they were there, he said, come here, I wanna show you something. If anything goes down in America, move here. You'll be fine. And took him down to a hidden basement out in the yard on their property, on their farmland, and literally, it is a cement encased area with food and weapons of all mass destruction. And he said, you bring my sister here, you're gonna be fine. You wonder how many of those kind of places actually exist. And since this is being taped, I am not telling who. <laughs> you know, there's all kinds of things that happen in our culture. But when we look at, when we think about property ownership, now we're, we've got to look beyond being an American because that's not the issue. We're more than, in the Church of Jesus Christ, we are more than Americans. We are first and foremost children of God. The family of God. Now, as a child of God and the concept of stewardship, do we own anything? 
No. So what are we, you know, what are we worrying about? What are we, what are we getting excited for? Psalm 24, 1. Someone read that for me. Everything that's in it is God's. And if that's true, if we actually believe that, what am I worried about? What am I concerned about? What am I thinking through in this process of, because once again, it's when I think I'm an owner that things start to get frustrating. When it's mine, that's when I get frustrated. Why am I worried about this issue? The issue should be, what am I doing with what I have, and am I stealing? Am I being the one who is robbing without even recognizing it or knowing it? Now, this, this is one of those, I, I, last week I ran through the lesson, um, and we, we went a little bit over. I'm not going to do that to you today, but nevertheless, I, I want to look at scripture. And as you, you have that lesson sheet, there is plenty of scripture in this lesson. Because I don't want it to be my words. I want it to be God's words that we're focused upon. Okay? God expects us to be trustworthy. Luke 16, 11, 12. Someone read that for me. supposed to be responsible for what God has given to us. Absolutely. Now, here's the translation. Folks, when you go home, whose house is it? Whose car is it? Whose air conditioning or the lack thereof is it? Okay. Whose stuff is it? Whose pictures are on your wall? Whose television set do you have? If it's God's and we're stewards, are we accountable for what we do with what we have? Whose computer is it? Whose phone is it? Whose stuff is it? And how are we taking care of the stuff God gave to us? Okay. Now, think about it this way. And part of this idea is being responsible for what God has given to us. Have you ever, you know, have you ever given somebody something and they broke it right away? Now, you don't have, you know, if you gave something to your husband, you know, and he broke it right away, I don't want to fight at lunchtime. Yeah, remember when we were first married? <laughs> we did this with our girls because when we walked, when we came into our home, our brand new, the home we're in right now, we were at 1410 Radcliffe Avenue for 12 years, almost 13 years. Paid that house off. We bought it for $41.5, paid it off, and uh, and then we bought the house that we moved into. And the first day, it was an older, you know, I mean, it was built in 72, but in the bathroom, there was, in the wall, and you know, as a part of the tile, there was a cup holder with where you put toothbrushes. But that was in 72. <laughs> Toothbrushes have changed since 72. And our daughter put her toothbrush in it where it looked like it was supposed to go, but then she couldn't get it out. So she pulled it, snapped the right, the thing went broken right, you know, it was like, first day, praise the Lord. 
You have to do good things. You know, it's like, really? But those are the things that happen because we begin to think through all these issues of what we have and all these types of concerns. Are we responsible? Are we taking care of what God has given to us? You know the thing that, what is my pet peeve? It, it happens in our home too. It's not Cheryl's fault. You know, it's, it's not my fault. It's just life happens. I, this week, I reached in to our refrigerator, opened the door, got out the vegetable drawer because I was thinking about having uh, one of our English cucumbers. I wanted to cut it up. It would have been a great snack. It's healthy. You actually burn more calories by eating you know, uh, that than, than actually the calories that's in it. So it's like, woo, that'll, that'll be good. And it was soft. And it went bad. It's like, that's so frustrating to me. Why didn't we eat it before it went bad? Or when we got it home, was it that close to, you know, I always try to feel it. It's like, still, things you're responsible for. Even that kind of stuff. And if we're not careful, we begin to get this laissez-faire attitude. It's like, well, it was a buck. A buck's a buck is a buck. Remember the old phrase? Obviously not in our era. A penny saved is a penny earned. Do we care about pennies anymore? <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you see a penny on the ground, do you pick it up? Not with COVID-19. Are you trustworthy with what God has given to you? Are you taking care of what God has given to you? Not what you don't have, but what you do have. Because will God give you any more if you're not responsible for what you have? I mean, you think about that. Do you do the, don't you do that same principle with your children? Okay, if they abuse what you give to them, if they don't take care of it, do you go, well, I just want to continue to lavish out, you know, keep giving, even though they waste it? No. You, you try to teach them through that process. God requires us to respect another person's property. Isaiah 61.8 says, so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worthy, worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? See the difference? Worldly wealth, money, stuff. Who's going to trust you with real riches? In other words, the things of this world is not real riches. Can God trust you with his spirit and with his blessings on your life if you're not even responsible for the simple things of worldly wealth? Who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? So how is this commandment broken? It's broken by theft and robbery, the extortion, the typical ones. Someone read for me Ezekiel 22, 29 to 31. Now, I want you to understand this morning, when I do my intros, 
And when I do these lessons, I'm speaking to me before I ever speak to you. Because I've got issues too. Okay? And I have to ask myself these questions. So, here's the Lord. I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. But I found no one. Are you kidding me? I found no one. I think the big question then is this. Are, if God was looking for someone today, regardless of your age, from the youngest in the room to the oldest in the room, if God was looking for someone today to stand in the gap, could he look at you and go, bingo, you're the one. I'm going to use you to stand in the gap. We may be like, Lord, I'm not worthy to stand in the gap. I, I'm not, I don't have the gifts and talents. You know, we, we can complain like Moses. I'm not a good speaker. I, I, I can't do that. God may be looking to you, but can he do that? Kidnapping or selling someone into slavery or trafficking as well. Exodus 21, 16. Anyone who kidnaps someone is to be put to death. Whether the victim has been sold or still in the kidnapper's possession. Now we've got issues in this country. And let me tell you something. If I were God, I would have destroyed us a long time ago because I know me. You know, I... I get frustrated when I find out a student cheats. <laughs> These, this, this is, I can't even imagine the trafficking that's going on in the U.S. In fact, we had a ministry that was trying to go out to Atlanta during the um, Olympics because during that time, that was one of the major, Atlanta is one of the major cities in the United States for trafficking. I can't even understand this. Atlanta. And yet they have huge ministries there. And things happen in this country, Super Bowls happen. When Super Bowl, wherever it happens, trafficking is all over the place. And they're brought in from around the world. Children to adults are brought in from around the world. And it's like, God sees it all. God sees this happening. He is omniscient. He knows it all. And yet, his wrath has not been poured out yet. Uh, you think of what's going on in our culture and society. And God's wrath hasn't been poured out. And yet, here he says, this is how I would have done things. Now, in, in America today, we have different rules and different things. God's just saying, this is how I would handle it. And let God be God and be sovereign in this. Stealing from employers. How does stealing from employers occur? Let me get some feedback that obviously you've seen on the job. It's amazing when I ask my students this question, when we used to do business ethics and I talk about this issue, uh, hands would go up like crazy. So what's examples of employees being uh, stealing from their employer? Yeah, Tish. Okay, it can be as simple as taking items like pens or whatever. 
So, in other words, uh, employees would break something or damage it so you can't sell it, and then it became part of your property. Yeah. Yeah. Tasting good. So, give me some more examples. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You're sitting at the job and on your computer or on your phone while you're supposed to be working or doing something else or just stealing time. In fact, I've had students say that in some places, built, but like especially it's done at call centers where they take a break and they say, I'll clock you in and you go out for the afternoon and then uh, tomorrow you clock me out in and I'll, I won't be here and we'll, they'll, they'll think we're here, but we're not. All that kind of stuff happens. What else? And she works at a bank, and when people would leave the bank, uh, they would take client information and use that at their next job. So that they could use that to better themselves, etc. And they're actually stealing from BBT now, Truist. Yeah. It's amazing what employees are willing to do against their employers. Um, and I, you know, the students share all the time. Uh, whether it's doing drugs on the job, not them, but they see it happening on the job, and uh, all kinds of different things. The one that not to surprise me, and I'm not providing anyone with information, if you are a current employee as a waiter or waitress, or will be in the future, please do not use this example and practice it. But they said that lots of times people would like, like at lunchtime, order the same exact meal. So there's like three different people at the table ordering the exact same meal, the hamburger, the fries, and the Coke. And they would use this, the, the, the uh, slip from one, not turn it in and give it to the second person and pocket the money that they got from that second person because it was only charged once. So they used the same receipt for two different people. And they would pocket the money that they did for the second order. Unless, of course, they use a credit card, then you can't do that. But they would do it with people who use cash. You know, all kinds of stuff like that. This is crazy, but people do that. Titus 2, 9 and 10. You've already read it, so someone read it real quickly for me. All right, teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything. Now, I'm gonna stop there real quick. Is, is the Bible condoning slavery? Absolutely not. But they're living in a culture in which slaves were becoming followers of Christ. So they are working in a society and a culture where slavery is accepted, and they're a slave to an employer. Now, some of you may be employed and think you're a slave, but it's not like this, okay? They didn't own anything. They were not property owners either, etc. And they were slaves. Says, if you are a slave, okay, and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and you're, be subject, listen to your master. To try to please them, not to talk back to them, not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God the Savior attractive. In other words, here's an employer, has a slave, 
And all of a sudden, this slave who become a follower of Jesus Christ is not working harder. It is trustworthy. I don't have to question anything that they do. I can, you know, this, I can promote them. Because what is so attractive about this? Jesus. So as an employee to an employer, we should be giving our best to them. Why? Because we're reflecting Jesus. And they want to say, why are you acting this way? Why are you doing this? Because I'm a Christian. And if we're not careful, someone, let's say you're, and I, I, sometimes I've said things and sometimes I haven't. But often I will, I will bring to the attention of someone an error that is against me. Meaning they didn't give me, for example, enough bill. They'd left something off. And I've heard the phrase, thank you for being honest. Now that's the point at which, I, why was I honest? Was I honest because I'm an American? It could be, but that's not the reason. Was I, was I honest because I was stolen from in the past and I don't want anyone else to feel that way? Maybe. What's the interpretation of the waiter or waitress at that point or the person at the store that's asking me this question. They want to find out, they just, this is different. We don't typically have this. Thank you for being honest. At that point, do I say, well, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and I think I'm obligated to do that. That's, you know, would that be a witness then to what God has done in my life? Absolutely. But at times we don't share that kind of information. Employee, employers can be stealing from employees. James 5 4. Someone read that for me. As an employer, you are responsible to take care of your employees properly. And the worst is, is when, if I know Cheryl have lived in this town for a long time, and Lynchburg is saturated with Christian business owners. And we have known Christian business owners who have failed to pay their employees because they were profiting, the, the, pocketing the profits and not taking care of them. And we've known, it's like, and their businesses went out of business and it's frustrating. It's like, here's, here's a, a young person working for an employer who's a Christian, a follower of Jesus, and they're not, they're not taking care of their employees, you know? And, it, you know, you get frustrated when human resources have nothing to do with humans or resources. Are they really taking care of us? Is it about people or is it about their resources or whatever the case may be? We want, in other words, the question though for us is, is second low, is how do I take care of things? How do I treat those with whom I'm doing business with? How do I take care of this person? How do I treat them? How do I value them? Do I value them as a person creating the image of God? Not working for a living when we can. 2 Thessalonians 3, 10 to 12 says this. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work 
shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They are not busy, they are busybodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. Now we're not talking about people who are trying to find jobs or who are incapable of working, the disabled, etc. Okay, and I mean by disabled, those who are disabled, not those who can work but manipulate the disability. Okay, God holds us accountable to that, and we're going through a time period right now where it's like you know, help wanted, and you know. Maybe our government is providing incentives for people not to work. Now, the question then is for a follower of Christ, and I don't know anyone's situation in here, so I'm not, you know, you're talking about me, or you're talking, no, I'm not. I don't know anyone's situation in this room. Zero, okay? My question is, is it smart to make more money? or to do the right thing. That's tough. Because do we make decisions purely on the basis of money? Now again, I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm not your conscience. I'm not the one who has to figure through all this in your own situation. Because everyone's situation is completely different. The question though is, what's this principle? The principle is, I'm not going to work, but I expect to eat. And those are the things that God wants us to consider to ask ourselves the question, is it wrong to have a good work ethic? Is it wrong to work hard and fulfill the curse, men and sometimes women now, you know, sweating, earning your living by the sweat of your brow? I'm not earning a living by doing this, but I don't know, it's hot in here and I'm sweating, my brow is sweating. And I hope you can't see that from where you're sitting. You're sitting here going, I got, I'm dripping, yeah. But it's okay, thank you, Shell. She's my greatest fan. <laughs> I'll be here all week. Number six, and this is where we'll end. Taking advantage of people financially. Someone read for me Proverbs 11. 1. And someone read Amos 8, 4, 5. Of how we take the care of the people who are 
getting something from us. In other words, is it wrong to oversell what actually exists? This is a great house. Don't tell them about that. The sewer backs up every six weeks, but we're not going to say that. What does it all mean? Hey, they don't ask. <laughs> Sucker. You know, what is it? What are we responsible for? Or, well, yeah, that's capitalism. Is that really capitalism? Yes. That's the American way. You know, it's, well, is it really the right thing, Tish? Well, I can just sit in, in generals like that. It's like, really? Do you want to have the answer for that? But absolutely. How we take care of people. Why is it important how we take care of people? You've heard me say it probably 500 times if you've been in this class for more than a few years. Why is it important the way we treat people? Yes, it is eternal. We are representatives of God. Absolutely, it's, it's how we treat, treat uh, Jesus, is how he will view us. Everything we do should revolve around one godly biblical principle, and that's this. Every human being has been created in the image of God. Thus, how we treat people is how we treat God. Because it's his image. Regardless of whether they're saved or lost, rich or poor, black or white, or any unique color under the, under the universe, every human being, regardless of their nationality, regardless of where they live, has been created in the image of God. And how I treat them matters. How I talk to them. What I post in Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. How I communicate verbally, non-verbally. You know, we're going to continually be faced with that all of our life. So what do you think about? Well, what is our response? Is it going to be, I want to treat them the way I would want to be treated? Or is this an opportunity to get a dig in? You know, whatever. How do I treat them? How do I treat people? Do I take advantage of them financially? What does that mean? Even, and okay, and I'm going to say it. Am I responsible for my 401k, 403b, my investments, of how they make, how I make money? Or that's just the American way. Do I care what this company does? Or do I care about the percentage that I get at the end of the day?
everything is it, it, I'm responsible for. And so I've got to trust the Lord for that. I promise you I would not go over and I'm getting close, so I'm going to end on that note. Let's pray together. Father, this is an important subject because it's talking about your image. It's talking about how we have taken your command and in our past or in our present became cultural. Well, that's just the way it's done around here, Lord. Uh, it'll all come out in the wash. It's no big deal. Everybody does it. Um, Lord, that's what the children of Israel said that they were destroyed for. You've got the remnant, but we see the history of it. And sometimes, as modern-day Christians, we look back at the Old Testament and go, what were they thinking? And yet you probably think the same thing about us sometimes. What are they thinking? God, forgive us. May we reflect you in everything we say and do and treat people as your image. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you all. Have a great week. See you next Sunday, Lord willing.